Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you enjoy binge-watching the best TV shows and love hearing from the actors and showrunners who make them happen, then subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our Hollywood reporters take you behind the scenes of the year's most anticipated projects, the industry's biggest moves, and the hardest-fought awards races. From The Crown to The Real Housewives, we've got the inside scoop. As a special thank you to our still-watching audience, we're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, yeah, no, I could do a phone sex bit if you want. I just thought you wouldn't be in the mood. Hello, and welcome to Still Watching, a weekly television podcast from Vanity Fair. I'm Richard Lawson. And I'm Chris Murphy. We're here to discuss the fourth episode of the HBO series Succession, Honeymoon States. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Mm, the honeymoon states. <laughs> And later on, communications expert Risa Heller will be stopping by to talk about crisis communication as the Roys enter the post-Logan era. But before we get to that, a quick recap. The opening of the show had us panic-googling amniocentesis as we found out Shiv is bringing a new Roy to the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. One hour until the all-important board meeting to decide the interim CEO, and everyone has flocked to Logan's penthouse. For some of us, it's a sad day, but for others, it's... Coronation Demolition Derby. And drivers start your engines. The old guard plotted in the China room and dashed Tom's dreams. You're a clumsy interloper and no one trusts you. The only guy pulling for you is dead. An undated amendment about Logan's final wishes raised questions of whether Kendall was the successor. We don't know its status. And, I mean, it doesn't hold any legal value. But we wanted you to know, but we wouldn't want it to feel more significant than it should. The Roy kids came up with a plan that put Kendall and Roman temporarily in the top job. We'll do the deal, spin ATN, fold in Pierce, six months, eight months. And that's all equal. Yeah. Equal as fuck to the gram. And the corporate spin doctors worked out how exactly to frame Logan's final days with the company. So it's Operation Shit on Death. No. Yeah. No. Yes, it is. Meanwhile, Connor and Willa venture into Extreme Home Makeover Penthouse Edition as they make plans to move in. Let's all move in. Grow old together. Share a bed like trucking the truck factory. All right, Chris, let's cover the most pressing question first. Underlined or crossed out? Okay. I got to shout out my mom who always told me growing up, and I never listened to her, that penmanship is so important. It's so important to have good handwriting, even in our digital age, you know. Even if it's just a line. <laughs> even if it's just a line, it's got to be clear. Yeah. And we're learning that really sort of deeply this episode. I'm 100%. It was 100% crossed out. There's the line no, goes up. It goes up. Yeah. It, it starts under, but it definitely goes up. And it feels to me that it's sort of clearly crossed out. And imagining who Logan Roy 
Roy was, you know, sort of brash and not sort of taking a lot of time to be meticulous. I could see him just being like, boom, crossed out. Yeah. That's the end of Kendall. Yeah. But it is ambiguous enough that I do think Kendall, as he clearly does, has a lot of room to run with it all the way to the bank. So yeah. I think I'm saying it's crossed out. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's most likely. And like Frank kind of figures out the timeline where he's like, we think it was about four years ago, but we don't know when he added these handwritten notes or, mm. or crossed or things out or underlined things. I also think that like, why would Logan underline it to to be emphatic to himself? Yeah, that doesn't make any. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make any. <laughs> yeah, like no sense. It makes no sense. I mean, I guess like the point is that we're never going to know. Yeah. The point is the ambiguity, which leads to this kind of like polite-ish war of the wills in terms of who's going to step up, and everyone's trying to be diplomatic, and we just had this heart. Warm, not heartwarming, but sort of emotional bonding moment the day prior mm-hmm. uh, where they hugged and everything. And they, they want to maintain that as long as possible. But I think as we were talking about last week, I, I don't I think this is a very tenuous reunion for the three yeah. siblings. I mean, the reunion is sort of it's actually the reunion has already ended basically right. by the end of the episode. Right. It's two against one. And that's yeah. the thing that happens when you have three people right on a team two can team up yeah. and ice out the other one. And of course that had to happen to my girl Shiv. Of course I I, I yeah. pick her last episode. And of course Shiv is the one who gets pushed out of a power position by her brothers. And I think that this episode more than the show often does got into the matter of Shiv being a woman. Yes. Where, you know, she's kind of speaks that a little bit when when the brothers are kind of like, well, it should kind of be us. You, I mean, you never worked for the company. And she's like, I did that. She, Am I too like, teary-eyed? She's like, that was daddy, you know, make work. And yeah, exactly. Am I, my mascara going to run? Mm-hmm. That dynamic had to be introduced. I mean, it's, it's been introduced in the past, but it had mm-hmm. to be part of this conversation, obviously. Totally. Um, especially when like Jerry was maybe going to be interim CEO. The company has had all these problems, particularly with, with employees treating women terribly. Mm-hmm covers up about all that. So it was pertinent, certainly, in that regard alone. But yeah. then we also have the matter of Shiv being pregnant. Well, that's I was about to say, it makes it sort of like 10 times grander in terms of her femininity, her womanhood. Right. <laughs> She's literally with child, yeah. carrying Logan's grandchild. He has other yeah. grandchildren via Kendall, right. but the newest heir, you know, to the throne. And her femininity, her, her womanhood, effectively keeps her out of a power position in the company, um, which feels really unfair. Is it kind of fair when Kendall says you've never had a real position in the company and that she does sort of busy work? That is, I guess that's, you know, probably the strongest argument for keeping Shiv out and he and Roman run with that. But she's proven herself to be, if not more competent than both of them. Um, She's had real jobs before in the political sector. It felt like brothers teaming up on, you know, their little sister. And like know, they had middle sister. Like they had their reasons. There was this unofficial will with Kendall's name involved in some point. There was the conversation with Roman, which like he has now kind of alluded to to his siblings. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we d- I was closer to him than you guys realized. We talked more than you realize. So they do have their claims. I think Shiv does have a less her her claim is more tenuous. Like I yeah. I, I think that and I think that that's reasonable given what we've seen on the show. But yeah, it's a complicated matter. 
all the more complicated because when she has the phone call with the doctor, she says, we'll be back in touch about your 20-week checkup. Mm -hmm. So I don't think she's at – she's obviously not at 20 weeks yet. But, like, that's, you know, close to halfway along. Yeah, considerable amount of time. um, This is something that she can't hide, presumably, for much longer. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I have to wonder if the writers realized or noted in real life Sarah Snook (laughs) is literally pregnant and she's, you know, quite far along and she – uh, revealed that at the Succession premiere. So you, I have to wonder a little bit cynically if this was an organic storyline or w- was this written in because this is a real thing that was happening right. with Sarah Snook, the actress. Either way, it's fanta- it's fantastic in terms of the storytelling and the arc of the show because it complicates not only Shiv and her quest to, you know, run way star Royko, but also her relationship with Tom just gets so much more complicated than it already is. And in classic Shiv fashion, she's really pushing him away in this episode. (sighs) When she could use him. And he's trying to to connect again. Yeah. Well, I mean... Look, Tom did not win the immunity challenge. And he's, <laughs> he's about back, to get voted off the island. Camp, and he is trying to go to every single person he can, trying to pry them open. He's going to Marsha even, you know, trying to get in her good graces. Like, it's and just like, it, it's he, just everywhere. He's yeah. not in anyone's alliance. Nobody no. wants to align with Tom no. in a really hilarious, visceral way. When Carl reads him for filth, yeah. when Carl drags him through the mud for being uh, untrustworthy and Logan's little lackey, and now Logan is dead. Yeah. So Tom's greatest protector, which he knows, is gone. And nobody nobody likes him. Nobody wants him on his team. Tom, if we're power ranking the winners and losers post-Logan's death, Tom is rock bottom right yeah. now, I would say. Yeah. And he put himself right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, he made a ton of choices that brought him there over the past few seasons. He had this big kind of you know, coup de gras at the end of last season, it worked for him for a little bit, but that was so contingent on Logan living forever, yeah. basically. Yeah. And clearly that didn't happen. So I'll be curious. And I'm not saying, you know, Shiv does not have to get close to Tom again just because presumably they're having a kid together. Yeah. She's got the resources to sort of but, care for this child on her own if she, you know. But I'm, she is alone. And I think the I think the, a big thing about her, maybe she's sort of advocating for herself to be interim CEO of however they're framing it because she's like in a few months time they would they would never consider me. Yeah, no. You know, and that's 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 something that happens in the corporate world and well the working world in general yeah. all you know all the time. Pregnant women oh, a liability. I didn't get hired because I was pregnant mm-hmm. or because I was going to get pregnant. You know, it's just like I, I think that once in a while this show actually does reveal a little bit of what I assume are its internal politics in, mm-hmm. in showing like that this that Shiv is in a really precarious position through no fault of she, she, all she did was get pregnant. Yeah. Like it's not. Yeah. Sadly, it might be even sooner than a few months. It could be a few weeks when you know yeah. she really starts showing. Yeah. And she I, does a lot of jacket buttoning in this episode, ooh, which I thought of, was good blocking. Yeah. Which speaking of blocking, when Shiv falls as she's walking, yeah. that was so like, oh, that my heart literally yeah. like sunk and also like at the same time was like caught in my throat yeah. because I was so nervous because of because of the baby which nobody knows right yeah. to our knowledge she hasn't told a single person that she's pregnant she's just gotten iced out by her brothers basically because she's a woman and then in her anxiety after that she trips and falls walking down the steps in these gorgeous little heels uh, <laughs> yeah, well <laughs> which the heels might be to blame they might yeah, be to blame yeah. but it just sort of 
Ugh, it, it was such a great example of Shiv, and I feel like I come back to this a lot, but it's really important in that, like, she tries to execute, she tries to be this sort of, like, grade-A, top-of-the-line, like, mm-hmm. don't-mess-with-me businesswoman, and then she has, like, these foibles and these falls. Literally, yeah. fa- she literally fell, and, like, she has fallen from the top consideration of the way Star Royco throne, and yeah. that was shown in that blocking. I thought it was a really great, and it was a really convincing fall. I was, like, worried about her ankle, so great great job, Sarah it, Snook. Convincing enough that I was like, was that just, like, an accident on set that they kept in? <laughs> I don't think that the show will be, like, and then she miscarried. I, I, don't, I don't think that that, that would be too cruel a plot yeah. line even for this show. But I think that what is troubling Shiv and the rest of the kids is not only the fact that they have to hash this out among themselves, mm-hmm. But that there's everyone else. There's Carl. There's Jerry. There's Hugo. There's Carolina. There, everybody is sort of in this apartment uh, that Connor has gonna <laughs> has spit sh- shook with Marsha to buy yeah, for like, sixty three. Maybe the smartest thing he's ever done. I was like, <laughs> um, and so you know they're trying to have this board meeting kind of thing where they decide who, who's going to be CEO. But it's also awake. Yeah, but <laughs> like it's there also actually awake. is like a, a component to this event that is supposed to just be about family, friends of family. And grieving. Yeah. And I think we get moments of that in this episode, mm-hmm. but we just kind of continuously see a steady stream of vultures descending. Oh, a thousand We hear percent. that um, Justin Kirk's character, Jared Benkin, is on his way. The Secret Service has the dog sniffing around. And then we also have the return of, is it Ron Petkus? Oh, Stephen Root? Yes, Stephen Root's Stephen character, Root. mm-hmm. who is this, you know, kind of noxious... Conservative... Guy who... Um, was in last season when they go to that sort of conservative retreat that yes. is kind of supposed CPAC. to be like CPAC. Yeah. yeah. And so he's, you know, pontificating about what a conservative lion Logan was, which like, sure, yeah. the same will be said of Rupert Murdoch when he dies. And these are conservative people, one real, one fictional. But I think Logan was a cyni- cynical guy, uh, uh, you know, at most. Like, like mm-hmm. he, was, he was mostly, as um, uh, Connor puts it, Freedom. Can you believe this shit? He's trying to make Pop into a neoconservative. He wasn't a neocon, he was a paleo-libertarian. He was practically an anarcho-capitalist. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you like Benny Hill and Sinatra, does that make you one of those things? He was what's ever best for Logan yeah. and whatever's going to make money for Logan and the Roy family. He wasn't some, like, you know, champion of conservative ideals more farther than what it could serve him, right? right? He saw that money could be made there. And sure, like, there are jokes in this episode about his racism, about yeah. laughing when a hobo's on fire, mm. juxtaposed to these loving um, How he obituaries <laughs> that he's gotten that probably are in papers he owns, I think we're maybe meant to assume. Yeah, um, I think so. Probably uh, uh, PMG would be a little bit more Cynical, yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah about yeah. his legacy. Um, but, like, everyone is just trying to remake... Logan's legacy to suit their needs. And the kids are doing that too, saying a lot of like, well, this is what dad would want. Yeah, and it comes back down to the paper, right? It's like we're trying to remake Logan's legacy to serve whatever my agenda is, and we're going to try to interpret this paper to serve whatever my agenda is. You know, Shiv's like, obviously it was crossed out because that would serve her better. Kendall's like, of course it was underlined because that's what's best for me and is in my best interest. And the beauty of having Logan, you know, not even be in a coma and not be able to wake up and be like, this is actually what I meant, is that it's completely 
dog eat dog, there's no answer. The no. answer is whatever, whoever is the savviest, the smartest, the shrewdest, makes the best moves, plays the best chess, that's who's going to win. Yeah. And it's crazy that <laughs> for all of our predictions, we never, we've, we've never said Kendall is the one who was going to come out on top this right. season. And at the end of this episode, that seems to be what happens. Well, yeah, I, th- I had said last week, and, and I, I I swear to her, I had seen this episode already, but I swear I, I'd kind of forgotten most of what <laughs> happened in it. So I, when I watched the rewatched it for this recording, I was like, oh, when Ke- I had said last week, oh, I think Kendall is going to become his father, like yeah. his father's ghost is going to possess him. And then you see and this thing at the end. That's le- that's where, what happens. It, and he says to Hugo, he's like, dad would want this, you know, mm-hmm. but you can't tell anyone. You, ca- I'm not giving you any sort of protection. You yeah. have to do this on your own in secret, but you have to do it. Because it's what dad would have done. Hugo now owes him because Hugo, yeah. which which is so funny, poor Juliet, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know doing some low-key insider trading, going to get everybody in trouble, yeah. um, selling the stock after she learns that uh, Logan is dead via Hugo. Hugo goes to Ken... Uh, and that was also interesting to me because I don't – I'm going to copy a line that Logan said. I don't think of Kendall as a serious person. And yet for Hugo to pick up all the Roy children to be like, hey, Kendall, I need to tell you something and I need your help was sort of interesting to me. But Kendall – and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to quote um, the 30 Rock episode about Reaganing, you know, when like, yeah. you'd, like there's a 24-hour period where Jack Donaghy does like everything perfect and he answers every question, right? Kendall was kind of Reaganing this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Even his emotional moment with Stewie. Which was what he needed to do to get that vote. And it worked. And, and it, it worked. literally and worked. I don't think it was calculated exactly, but it was like, he was like, everything's in the past. We're old friends. Uh, Stewie makes fun of him for the PMG deal. Yeah. You know, like, and, and I think that Kendall is really clicking in this episode, despite him still seeming very fraught. Yeah. Like, he's still kind Emotionally of Emotionally fraught, yes. But I was, like, wondering, because he said he had, like, one therapy session at night with some guy, the best grief counselor, right? I have a great grief guy. Fuck you. <laughs> You're going to destroy this. Can one session fix you? Can it, can that fix somebody? Because he seemed a lot better than he's ever seen in certain ways this episode. I think you juxtapose him to Roman, who is like, actually, I weirdly feel good. I, I, th- I think I, like, pre-grief. Pre-grief. Like I, and Kendall is really in it in the moment, and he's saying that. And we see him at the beginning of the episode looking really sad and, you know— But I think that what we're watching maybe in this episode is Kendall processing it all Mm -hmm. and even shedding it. And by the end saying, "Okay, no more emotion. (laughs) Now it's time Mm -hmm. to just like sully my father's legacy (laughs) so we can have a smoother transition. And so that I can remain at the top. To push out my sister and, yes, make an uneasy alliance with Roman. But like how long is that going to last? Because no one ever took Roman seriously, even though maybe their father took him the most seriously, but they don't really believe that. Yeah. I mean, Kendall was so great. This episode, it's sort of like calibrating like when to when to play high status with Hugo and when to play low status. What I think worked with Stewie is that he was just like, I need your help. It was just a it was just a bald ask. Yeah. There was no sort of agenda. It was just, can you do me a solid? It was like, like old college friends, you know, kind of that like bro stuff. Yes, like Harvard it, bros, yeah. you know, just being like, can you do me a solid? And then at the end of the episode... Whereas Roman, which again, we've talked about this before, and Roman sort of like emotionally abused a relationship with Logan, wanting to still protect him and lionize him. And like Carolina and Hugo gave a pretty clear playbook as to how they could probably shore up the most support and stay yep. in a position of power. And Roman's not willing to do that because it would sully his father's name. And he said, never bring that to me again. He said, never again yeah. will we talk about this. Right. And that does not, to me, seem like a shrewd business move on Roman's part. 
No. And that's an emotional response to that situation when he needed to be potentially more rational. Because presumably down the line, if Roman were to lead the company, there will be times when he has to say, dad did this wrong or I can do this better. You're going to have to tangle with his legacy at some point. And he – I mean obviously this is an extreme version of it to make up lies about (laughs) his well-being. Were they lies? Well, I guess that's that's also up for debate. Yeah. I mean Um, there were lies that the kids were really involved because the kids weren't speaking to him before. But like we were saying he seemed a little shakier than ever before recently. I mean speaking of shaky, we we should talk about the non-Roy people who are involved in this. We have our Carls and our Jerrys. And our Franks. Um, Carl, you know, as you mentioned, an unexpected bit of cruelty, which like he normally isn't that guy, Mm -hmm. I feel like. He's gotten some good lines in over the years. But, you know, everyone is feeling emboldened. Everyone is shunning Greg. Tom can't be much above Greg. I think it was a good reminder when Carl says, We're not going to let the little princess screw things up, right, Frank? Jerry's going to block me. I want out. I want my fucking package. I am halfway in on a Greek island with my brother-in-law. Say, what's up, boys? Hi. Oh, right. Frank, Jerry, Carl, Hugo, Carolina, all these people are fucking rich. So (laughs) unbelievably rich. They're all going to be fine. They're all going to be fine. It's so so crazy to think of. And I will say, I feel a little, like, silly for, because you think of them as a unit, right? Under Logan, they were a unit combined to sort of keep Waystar Royco afloat, and also to, to sort of take on the kids. Yeah. But now that Logan's gone, yeah, they still sort of have a common enemy in the kids, and we have yeah. kids versus corporate, but they're also battling each other. And I thought that was so interesting to see. And it's like, of course they hate Tom. Tom is like, you know, Nepo baby virtue of marrying yeah. Shiv, thinks he's one of them, absolutely is not. So seeing them all sort of come for Tom, who they probably never liked that much, right. who probably is not very good at his job, who only had a position because of his... Uh, adjacency to the family. That was great. And then to see them come for each other with Frank and Jerry and Carl all sort of having their reason for why they should ascend to the top of the throne was really interesting. And I thought this was an amazing Frank episode. I thought Frank did such great work in terms of his scene with Kendall sort of being this father figure towards the end and also navigating the paper. And what do we do with the paper? Maybe maybe the paper, you know, gets flushed down the toilet. That was great British comedy writing. I mean... It might get lost. I hope it doesn't. But what if your hand goes a little wobbly and the draft takes it away and it gets flushed down a toilet by mistake? I'm kidding, of course. No, sure, you're, you're speculating in a comic mode. Yeah, in a humorous vein. Mm-hmm. Very Ainucci. I mean, it's obviously very Jesse Armstrong. Mm. That bit was great. I also loved Jerry saying to Carl, I mean, what you did with Cable in the 90s? <laughs> Just to be like, you are fucking You're irrelevant. old. You're yeah. old and like, you don't matter anymore. And then obviously whatever he did with Cable in the 90s what you know, was, I'm sure, amazing. And you know, whatever Rupert Murdoch did to get Fox News to be just de facto on every cable plan in the country so everyone is paying for Fox News without really knowing it. But but Carl maybe has not <laughs> done it seen to... much past the <laughs> I don't know if Carl knows much about the streaming age yeah. or, or, or whatever. He's not really you know on the front line of the yeah. streaming wars yeah. let's say. But it was good to see everyone bicker because the actors are good at it. The writing is sharp and it's you know fun to remember that they're people and also they at least feel secure in either their status at the company going forward or at least in these, you know, golden parachutes if the Gojo sale happens. Then you have Carrie. Oh, Carrie. Who shows up a wreck. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, cool. I'm good. You're good? Um, do you need to help you? Sorry, I don't know if I have your private number. Can you send that to me? 
beautiful piece of acting. Yes, thank you. Um, Great job, Zoe Winters. Really and, wonderful work. And I found myself wondering, and I'm sh- I want to hear what you think. Why was she crying? Was she really? Did she like miss Logan, or was something else going on? I I'm gonna go with that. She did miss Logan because who spent the most time with Logan? In the recent history. And I think this is a good time to bring up. We got Carrie. We got to bring Marsha back into the picture too, right? Marsha's back. Yes, we love to see her. We love to see her back. Is she lying that she's having these intimate phone calls with Logan? We can't prove that. We don't know. Kendall literally says, what would the phone records say? Like, We don't know if that's true. But what we do know is that wherever Logan was, Carrie was there. So whether or not... You know, they had a perfect relationship or she should have been an ATN news anchor or she's an assistant slash his girlfriend. He was a big part of her life and she was the most constant thing about his life 100%. And when that's ripped away from you, you're going to have an emotional response. And I think she probably did love him because how do you not – how do you spend that much time with – a monster like that and not convince yourself that you are in love with him and that he's going to leave his wife. I mean, that scene, and again, sorry if you don't like musical theater, but it has to be said, that was an Evita, another suitcase in another hall <laughs> moment to a T. Really she literally, g- they give her a bag and they yeah. say, get out of get the house. Out, get leave. Mistress, you're out. Marcia yeah. said, you're not going upstairs. So I have a lot of compassion for her. Um, I hope we see more of her. Yeah. Um, but I do think it was a genuine emotional response to Logan leaving. You're such a sweet, sensitive soul. I don't think it was at all. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, musical theater I, is showing. I My... think she was crying because she was so close to getting rich. Oh, wow. And she says, she's she's kind of muttering, whispering to Roman. She's like, um, you know, there were supposed to be arrangements. We were going to um, get married. Please, like, like, check, check back. Please, uh, please don't let, let me know. Keep me put. Like, she's basically saying like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't understand. Is and that Marcia's why you just the doc- like, whatever. <laughs> Where's the documentation? Where's anything? Do you think the documents were upstairs and that's why she wanted to go upstairs? I mean, maybe. 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 I thought she was saying that out of love. I mean, I, look, I'm sure it's complicated. I think it was probably a mix of the two. Um, but I was trying to put myself in mm. the, the most cynical headspace she could be. Yes. And I was like, you know what? If I had had to spend time with this, like, monstrous asshole for, like, however many months or years mm-hmm. – and I came so close to getting my piece of the pie, yes. and then the baker died. <laughs> I would be like, "What are, are you kidding me?" Are like you... I would be bereft, bereft. Because bereft. now, what does she do? She, I guess, she can get another high-powered job as some executive assistant elsewhere. She probably has a good resume, good education, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But like, she came so close yeah. to not having to do that again. Five hundred thousand dollars a year is not five million dollars you no. get just for being, or even ten billion dollars for being Logan's girlfriend and best friend. And clearly Logan isn't updating his documents. No. The last time he updated them is with pencil yeah. 18 or months ago or two years ago. So there's no way that Carrie is in the will. And Marsha won. Marsha won. Yeah. And as much as I like feel for Carrie, because that is, you know, she came so close and yet so far, I'm like not mad that Marsha's back and wielding her power no. as the, you know, widow. The grand dame. The grand dame. <laughs> walking around her $63 million apartment. <laughs> That's about to be Connor's. And Willa's. Willa was also kind of feeling herself a I mean, little bit Willa and her episode. mom. Her mom came Sylvia, back. Uh, and I liked the way that Shiv and, and the kids talked about Sylvia. They were Comedy like, oh, manners. Yeah, they were like, she's just really. <laughs> she's really hungry. You can't, yeah. around yeah. rich people, you can't eat food because yeah. that shows that you need something. <laughs> yeah. But Willow was already talking about knocking out walls and whatnot, which I don't think is exactly what Connor wanted. I no. think he wanted to just put himself inside Logan's castle mm-hmm. t- in order to, I guess, absorb the Loganness that he does not innately have. Yes. Um, and I think, of course, Petkiss being there, 
this presidential candidate on his way. That's increasingly Connor's domain. Yeah. And I know that – is it Jared, right? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a competitor to Connor. But like as Kendall says, we have to have these relationships. Yeah. But we haven't talked about the Gojo deal of it all. Right. Right? With Madsen and like oh, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lucas and Oscar. Now we have Oscar <laughs> like on the phone yeah. um, because Lucas can't come to the phone even though he's clearly right off the phone and they're speaking in Swedish about the deal and the kids can hear it over the phone. Yeah. But – Shiv is like, can you come here? Like, the, he wants them to go and visit, uh, visit. They're, him and, they're having a retreat. A retreat, yeah. the yeah. company retreat. And Shiv's like, my dad just died. Can you just come over here? And he said, no, because he now holds the power, and he holds he holds more power over them because they're a mess. So I did, I didn't realize the timeline yeah. is way more crunched than I yeah. think I expected. But we're also moving sort of like day to day to day. Like every episode, right. like Logan died yesterday. Right. I, I'm curious about how the politics, because they're clearly like building toward that. Like, yeah. they're, the, the politics of all of this is going to come to bear. They keep mentioning Jared, and, and he hasn't shown up yet this season, but like, he will. And uh, yeah, I'm, I, I think that like this was, maybe you disagree, but like, I feel like in some senses, this could be the last time that all the kids are somewhat on the same page until the show ends. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I will say I will slightly disagree. I think when they inevitably find out about Shiv's pregnancy, I think oh, okay. they'll all come together probably right. for that right. in some way from a familial place. Right. Um, but I think professionally, yeah. I definitely think it that hug was you know maybe the end of the road <laughs> last episode, and that it's the fractures are be- beginning to show, and they're about to go careening off in different directions. Although it is clear that it's like siblings versus the corporate entity of Frank, Jerry, Carl, and that could keep them maybe slightly more aligned than possible because it feels like – I'm going to go Chekhov's gun here. Everyone's saying we all want the Gojo deal. We all want the Gojo deal. Everybody wants the Gojo deal to go through. Guess what's not going to go through probably? (laughs) Well, it'll – I think you said it last week like – and we saw the stock price drop. They're not going to get that same offer. Yeah. Right. Because like I, I on the phone call with Oscar, was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, there was an eagerness there. And I think that the eagerness on the part of Manson's team is like, oh, we can get you cheaper. That's why we want to have this happen fast. Yes. Um, and they're still like in the prime position. No, you have to come here. Yes. We're not going to you. We're really sorry to hear about your dad, but like, anyway, do you want to, like, what's going on? You yeah, know? but we had um, 24 hours, I think, was set on the phone. I mean, I don't know if, like, how these business logistics work and is there a set offer? I mean, I assume that can change at any time. I mean, yeah. it, there's not a contract been signed yet or whatever it would be. So, yeah, I think, and Kendall kept talking about, oh, we could, you know, combine ATN and PMG and do that. We've got our own things going on, you know. Mm. I did like when Frank said to Kendall, like, do you really want back in? Yeah. And of course he does. Yeah. Um, so I think there is a possibility that both the PMG thing and the Gojo thing fall by the wayside and we just get old school Waystar Royco again. Yeah. Back to ATN just sort of as the primary. And all of the other ancillary businesses, you know, yeah. that Murdoch has sold. But in this fictional world, maybe Waystar Royco remains whole. That definitely could happen. I think there's one more literal question mark that remains to be seen what happens with that and what that meant. What did Greg uh, question mark on that paper mean? What what could that have possibly meant? What why did Logan write down Greg's name on that paper? 
That's a great question. That's like a lost style mystery, like a <laughs> yellow jacket symbol on a tree. Um, you know, maybe it was like, could Greg be a patsy? Or I don't know, maybe there was a point four years ago where Logan was looking at his kids and being like, none of these jerks are, are worthy. And maybe he didn't really, because this, this, the timeline of the show has been pretty compressed. Maybe he yeah. didn't really even know Greg four years ago. I mean, I mean we, that's what Roman said. We kind of see Greg like enter the picture at the beginning of this show. Yeah. So maybe he was aware of him. I mean, it's his brother's grandson. His Sorry. brother's grandson, yeah. yes. Um, uh, who knows? Are we going to find out more about that? I don't think so. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I've been wary, and thank you for sending in predictions. I've, we've gotten a couple predictions that say that Greg is sort of going to emerge as the, yeah. uh, you know, the winner of it all by the end. And then there's a theory with, like, the poster. Like, everyone is looking at somebody else on the poster, and oh, Greg like is looking at himself. <laughs> right. When Battlestar Galactica did the Last Supper <laughs> promo thing and everyone was like wait what does it mean yeah, and then yeah. there was the plane that actually sort of did foreshadow that Logan would die on a plane so there right. were, there definitely are sort of clues in the poster okay. and I still am rejecting the idea that like Greg the ultimate outsider comes in and takes over it feels a little too pat a little too like done before yeah. but with Greg's name being on the paper and everybody sort of really counting them out and us having so many episodes to go. I'm a little bit more leading into that sort of theory um, that Greg might be a dark thread, a dark horse yeah. to sort of come through. That being said, he was so like he showed he was so nasty this episode. What he was saying about Carrie when she was having Here that, come the waterworks. Just come, try and but not realizing that that's not how you talk to Marsha. No, that's not how you talk to Marsha. That's not no. how you talk to anybody. No. Trying to ingratiate himself and pretend he's this like upper class rich. He's trying to do Tom. He's trying to do Tom, but he's Tom is actually better at doing Tom than Greg is doing Tom. Yeah, yeah. And we saw, when during Stephen Root's um speech and like Tom's making these like sort of like quips, these funny quips and, and Greg's like, yeah, in the shape of a dick. And it's like that actually no. isn't a good joke, <laughs> no. Greg. <laughs> Which I think is that's good writing because like it is. I we all know that guy who just like doesn't get it and thinks he gets it. But is always around yeah. and like can't really yeah. he's just yeah. sort of around because he's around and you gotta put up with him and he thinks he's he gets sort of it, but he's never on the mark. That's Greg in a nutshell. It's funny that I have totally like I used to, in seasons past, be like, oh, everyone's so mean to Greg. Now I'm like, be mean to him. He's an asshole. <laughs> He's an asshole. He seems <laughs> yeah. like a terrible person. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they all are. Yeah. We should not forget. This is true. Um, we cannot forget. Still watching, we'll be back in just a moment. And when we return, crisis communications expert Risa Heller will give her insights. Yes, like I'm giving fake advice to a fictional family on TV. Pretty much, Basically, yeah. yeah. What could be better? And we'll hear your theories about who will take Logan's throne. Hi, I'm Michael Calori, the co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. And I'm Lauren Good, the other co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. Get ready to dive deep into the cultural phenomenon that's been shaping conversations, sparking movements, and breaking barriers for over a decade. The new three-part docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, based on the groundbreaking Wired cover story by Jason Parham, explores everything from the fun, games, and inside jokes that characterize the early years of Black Twitter, to the social movements, the voices and the hashtags that made Black Twitter an influential force in nearly every aspect of American political culture. Join us as we unravel the threads of this digital community, tracing its origins, celebrating its triumphs, and exploring its impact on society at large. Watch the series from Onyx Collective in association with Wired Studios, premiering on Hulu on May 9th. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. 
you can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Who do you call when your media empire is in free fall? Well, there are only two words capable of helping you sleep at night. Risa Heller. Risa Heller is the CEO of Risa Heller Communications and is in the business of crisis communications and reputation management. Her clients are very powerful people that would probably rub elbows with the Roys if they weren't fictional. She's worked with Airbnb, WeWork, and many Fortune 500 companies and individuals ranging from Anthony Weiner and Ivanka Trump to Mario Batali and ousted CNN head Jeff Zucker. Risa is also a massive Succession fan, ready to talk about the Roy family's PR crisis. She's only seen through episode three, so we didn't spoil anything in four for her, but she had a lot of interesting things to say in a general sense about where the Roys find themselves at this moment. Risa, thank you so much for talking with us. I have to ask, how did you react to Logan Roy's death? You mean, I mean, I was... Succession shoots right around my office. And so we sort of knew this was happening because we saw some scene where the kids were yelling about it, like when <laughs> oh, they wow. were shooting, um, <laughs> which is just totally weird and <laughs> random and funny. But I thought the episode was incredible. You know, I always get very fascinated on the show because I'm a PR person when they have like a PR element to it. And so that always has me like very wide eyed <laughs> and kind of giggling. Speaking of that PR element, uh, the PR moves start to be made like sort of immediately after Logan's death. Is that like true to life? Like what? how would you have handled the immediate aftermath of Logan dying? Oh, well, first of all, it actually is totally true to life, especially if you're the CEO of a, it's a publicly traded company. So like that is actually true to life. I thought... It was very funny because they they sort of sat around in the plane and were like, oh, yeah, we're just going to do this if it goes south, even though, like, you knew <laughs> that it was going south. And they kept telling the kids, like, oh, this is just like a contingency plan. We're doing the statement. So they would absolutely have to do something, like, pretty immediately. And you saw also in the show that, like, something had leaked to a reporter, like a reporter had called about it. And then they also had this other crazy thing, which I thought was sort of interesting, which was, like, this notion of the wedding that was being covered by reporters. Like, the thing that I didn't understand is, like, when all the three siblings were, like, sobbing on the boat and then leaving. So, like, the notion that all these reporters – on like, I sat there being like, oh, the reporters on the boat are going to know what's happening. Mm. But the reporters on the boat did not know what was happening, which I thought was very strange. They distracted them. What do you think the most important thing for the company or the board or whatever would be to communicate in this in these immediate moments? Is it we're all stable, everything's fine? Like what what's the what's the most immediate message that needs to be sent? What is the name of the show? Mm, oh, six right. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Totally. Like that's what they have to do. I mean, they set it up in kind of a fun way where it's clear like one of the guys, I can't remember which of the older, it wasn't Jerry, but one of the other two guys who I confuse who's who, one is Carl and one is... Frank or Carl. Yeah, Frank or Carl was like, you know, it's very crucial that we get mentioned. Like the whole thing that you have to convey in a situation like this, even if there was not an acquisition and a sale and all of these things, would be like the company is going to be fine and it's in good hands and here's the plan. Mm. And so you saw Carl and whoever and Jerry being like, we need to be mentioned in this statement. Mm. And the kids 
were like, no, 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 we're writing the statement, which is kind of interesting. So the key thing that they have to show is that the company is in good hands is not going to fall apart. And that, I assume, is what the whole rest of the the season and series yeah. will be. Like the kids fighting against the board. It has to be. That's really interesting. Um, and I guess my question is, if you don't know what's going to happen with the company, how do you spin that in a PR way? Because they don't know who's going to, you know, we don't know if it's in good hands because we don't know who oh. the hands of the company who's going to hold the company soon. Totally. Like what they really should have done, I think, was basically said, first of all, a company, typically these big companies have, like not if this guy dies on a plane <laughs> accidentally, here's what we're going to do. But they have, it's set up in a much more kind of scaffolded way and there's much more structure. They would have to either say like immediately, like here's who's running the company in the interim and or we're going to announce the new governance structure tomorrow or something like that. Like that's the thing that's going to get very sticky. And then the other thing that I thought was weird, this is such like an insider kind of loserish PR thing to think. But when the kids came to the little private airport and like came into the terminal and met the media and then she read that little card with Mm -hmm. the thing, like that to me was an insane thing to do. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Because first of all, who, like just practically, if you're a human and your parent dies, who wants to go stand in front of 20 cameras and microphones to be like, our father died, we're very sad. Leave us, like, it's a very weird thing to do, number one. Number two, there was no need for them to actually do that. They could have just put out a statement. And they were like, all of the action between the siblings was in the sight line of the cameras and the reporters. Like, mm. it was all glass. So it just struck me as, like, a very strange thing to do. It's a situation where you could easily put out a written statement. But again, this is such, like, an insider comms. No, but I think this is a show that, you know, is trying at least to to give the uninitiated a glimpse into this world and on the whole you know over the course of the the, these three and three and a half seasons um how accurate do you think the show gets this world i mean obviously there's a lot of communication stuff involved but you also have you know you work with these big companies a lot like do they get most of do they get it mostly right or how do you fall on that i would say not really Mm. yeah like there was something that happened you know, they don't necessarily handle it in the way that I think if you were being really smart about communications that you would handle it. Like there was like that thing about the New York Magazine story or there was a hilarious thing when like the crisis comms girls came in to help Kendall. When was that? Where he was sitting in his wife's apartment. That was like beginning of last season, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And like they were say, I just remember sitting and watching that and cracking up because I thought like this is not true to how life is. He was just like screaming about Twitter, I think. (laughs) And I think it's like an impression that people have about how things go, but it's really kind of not how things go. You know, it's not that interesting to like watch someone like very thoughtfully write a statement. (laughs) Right. You Mm. can't really show that at the Emmys. (laughs) Yeah, you can't. You definitely can't show that at the Emmys. So it's like, and there's a lot less media coverage actually than there would not. Like if Rupert Murdoch gets written about constantly. Mm. Like, you don't really see that in the show. Right. You, you, I guess you don't always get the enough of an impression that these people are very famous, or at least Logan is very famous. Totally. And, like, yeah, that you get the sense that he's, like, you know, got a lot of people around him and blah, blah, blah. And maybe it's too complicated, but I'm surprised that even though he is the media, there is not more of a media overlay yeah. in the show. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, there's, you know, as you guys know, there are many media reporters 
They fascinate over these things endlessly because they're interesting. And the media likes covering the media. Perhaps more than anything else. Yeah, that's very true. That's, yeah. Of course. Yeah. So, like, you sort of see it, like, when Kendall gives a news conference and it's, like, a very full room, like the one where he kind of shed on his father yeah. last year. But it's it's interesting to me that there's not, like, a much more of, like, a tension about, like, this guy's calling, he knows X, blah, blah, blah. In terms of the way the PR crisis has been handled and, like, and the PR people, we've got Carolina, you mentioned Kendall's like crisis team uh, just now, what like grade would you give them in terms of like, are they doing A work, B work, C work? Like, good question. I really like Carolina because I feel like she's just like, she's just there to like (laughs) do her job and is like not interested in the drama and she's just like doing Mm. the thing. Mm. I'd give her an A. I like that. We like Carolina Carolina on this podcast. We do. You do. Okay, good. The crisis gals, I don't think they merit a grade <laughs> because they were only in like one episode. And I think that it's part of the joke that like totally. Kendall hired these completely yeah, hired the worst the wrong people. people. Yeah, yeah. Of course. And he's just screaming at them about his Twitter, which is just the funniest thing. <laughs> so looking at where the kind of pieces are arrayed on the board now that Logan is gone, do you see like is Carrie like the biggest liability for this smooth transition? Is it one of the siblings? Like, who do you, who would you be most worried about? Were you in those rooms? Well, first of all, the family is a, <laughs> they're all a huge liability. <laughs> yeah. But like, the question is whose call is it? Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's a question about like all the machinations around the war of the shares and who's got what and what it means. I think Carrie is, first of all, Carrie is fucked. <laughs> Not from a PR perspective, just from the show perspective, because everyone hates her and finds her to be a nuisance and a hassle. She probably provides a huge amount of PR risk for them. But I'm not sure it really matters if Logan is dead and that's sort of like the leverage she had. Mm. So then the question is, like, it's a bit of a mess and all the kids have problems PR-wise. Like, I think there's some scenario where... Shiv and Wamskags, whatever his name is, get back mm. together. Sure. Wow. Because the thing they're at war over is gone. Mm. If she could become the CEO, he'd be willing to put up with that, I would think. What, on that note, given what could potentially happen, what would you tell them to do? What would your professional advice be in this scenario, in this situation? Here's the thing. I would tell them to do exactly what they will be unable to do, which is come up with a way to do a very orderly transition that makes the company look like it is in the best possible hands and aggressively communicate about it. You know, like sometimes you have a problem and sometimes you have a PR problem. Mm. This is a problem. Mm, Right. (laughs) But not only do they have to like solve for that, they have to over communicate it to give faith to the marketplace, which is a really hard thing to do. And it's especially hard if everyone involved in it is like the biggest mess in the world. (laughs) Is the best course of action to not give it to one of the kids then, do you think? Is it like Jerry which should just do it or something like that? It's tough because you sort of – I mean none of those kids would be a visionary leader and neither would Jerry and the two. (laughs) Right. We haven't really met a visionary yet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's no visionaries yet. But it seems to me like that that's the whole thing. It's like going to be three against three and what's going to happen. Right? I mean, what do you guys think? It seems to me that Shiv would be the most mercenarial and even. I've been saying Shiv. That's who I've been rooting for, if that's even the right term to use. Like, Roman is a lunatic, and Kendall is, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you probably have to have a little lunacy to, like, exist in such a high, you know, high altitude. But, um, yeah, I think Shiv is probably the most rational 
But, you know, then you get into questions about, like, gender politics and Mm -hmm. sexism in this, you know, the business world and just the world in general. Yeah, but I think that they would probably, I mean, this is, like, too meta to even discuss. Like, okay, so what does that mean and what would they do with it? They could say just, like, from a governance perspective, like, Jerry or one of the other two is running it in the interim. And we're going to put a process together to figure out who's going to run it. I don't think it's a good idea from a PR perspective because it will make everything seem very shaky. Mm. Like the thing that you, from a comms perspective that they need to convey is like a steady hand. Mm. These people are very bad at yeah. communicating. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So like the one thing they need to do is project a steady hand. They will not be able to do that because all the hands are very <laughs> shaky. We see in episode three that the stock price, you know, plummets or drops significantly in the news of the death is that the kind of thing that these companies can bounce back from? Or is that like sort of setting a new level for at least? No, they yeah. can bounce back if it's just like a, a short thing. It's just a dip. It's yeah. a, yes, it's just a dip, but you have to get someone. That's why you have to like turn it quick. And that's why doing something that demonstrates or illustrates uncertainty looks really bad and will be terrible for the stock price and terrible for the company. So one thing we do on this show pretty much every week is try to predict who, I mean, I mean you know, we're not holding ourselves that closely to these predictions, but. Okay, good. Like, as long as there's no kind no, of no, no, none we, whatsoever. We won't be checking back with you to <laughs> correct you. Um, we good. try to predict who who's going to come out on top at the end. So based on what you've seen of this season thus far, Risa, who would you say, not a favorite necessarily, but like most practically in the show's world, do you think is going to win in the end? Shiv. Mm. Yeah. Why? I think she will stop at nothing to succeed. She's kind of smarter than her brothers and more even killed. It's hard for me to, to see how after all of this and the show being about succession, how Jerry or the two other guys could end up on top. Fair. Kendall has like way too many... Demons, problems, issues, including the murder. Which oh, right. Is, yeah, the murder. Oh, yeah. The- yeah, don't forget about the murder, guys. You can't be the CEO of a publicly traded company if you're a killer. <laughs> you literally can't. And Roman is deranged. Mm. That's a really that's a really strong. I've been saying mostly, I've been bopping between Shiv and Jerry um, week to week. How could Jerry? She's, if there's one person who's more shrewd and maybe more competent than Shiv, it's Jerry, I would say. That's true, but do, have, do we need to mention her hat? Or we, just that <laughs> we did unpack her, her hat. <laughs> yeah. Few. That seems we, important. We were saying it's half little fascinator from a royal wedding and, and half Kentucky Derby. It's just some sort of weird middle size between those things. Very middle size, very weird placement, very bad angle, very confusing. Very bad angle, very confusing. Oh, that's so... Yeah, my theory has always been that Kendall... Well, not always. Of late, it has been that Kendall just be kind of becomes his father and becomes sort of like, you know, walls off emotion and just charges forward and, you know, Logan's spirit inhabits him, basically. But but I like, I like a shiv ending better. But he can't really handle that. Yeah. He's emotionally unable to handle that. Yeah. 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 It's not sustainable. He could do it for a little bit maybe, but, but yes. Yeah, but then he would really end up I mean, his, he's very on the edge. Could definitely burn out, flame out in a spectacular fashion, <laughs> yeah. I would say. Yeah, like next week. <laughs> we shall see. Uh in the meantime, Risa, thank you. Uh we won't hold you to any of those predictions. Okay, good. <laughs> But we really do appreciate your expertise. And we We also hope that you won't have to deal with anything like this anytime soon. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Very fun. Bye. Still Watching will be back in just a moment. And when we return, we'll open up the listener mailbag. 
I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. I'm really excited to see whether I can read The Iliad again, whether I'm that literate. I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. <laughs> he can't stop. I mean, and, and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. <laughs> we hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. <laughs> Before we go, we have some uh, listener emails that we wanted to read. Thank you for sending in emails. We really, uh, we really appreciate it, and it really makes us think in different ways. Okay, so an, a listener named Audrey was sort of on my wavelength, so I'm gonna start, I'll start with Audrey. And she says, My prediction is that Shiv will ascend as either the head of Royco or Pierce, but will have to further sacrifice her morals to do so by backstabbing Jerry and or endorsing Mencken. Oh, uh, and, um, that's a great theory. A Mencken endorsement would be like... <laughs> completely just ripping her soul out of her I, I honestly don't think yeah. it may be again I'm naive yeah. and it, clearly I've I've <laughs> emerged the, as the bleeding heart of this podcast I don't think that Shiv would be able to do that morally I think she yeah. would have to draw a line she, she would not even let him come in the house I mean I think he might be eventually coming into the apartment but yeah. I feel like she would not be able to do that morally speaking well we'll see how, how cynical and dark the show wants to get yeah, Ugh, which probably is darker than I'm <laughs> willing to willing to admit. Okay, so back to the Cousin Greg theory. So Roberta and another one, Hunter, um, they both said Cousin Greg. Um, one of the emails said, my prediction is that the emerging king is Cousin Greg, possibly with his new IG girlfriend as queen. I think they're going to get married. From the beginning, I thought he's the one who's going to take over. He's ruthless at, about getting what he wants. Not Not wrong. You know, and actually, maybe there's a benefit to the the Jerry's and the Franks of the world to have this buffoon that they can easily control. You know, because the the election of of uh, Roman and Kendall that's temporary. That's yeah. the understanding. It's, it's just to get them through this potential sale to Gojo, so everyone can get their riches and the shareholders will be happy. But that doesn't mean that they're supposed to run the company forever. I mean, obviously, that's what they want. Yeah, but maybe other people on the board see it a different way. And yeah. maybe Greg is like, here's a puppet who's like probably not shrewd enough to like, you know, turn the tables on the people who voted him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he would just kind of stay loyal forever. Yeah, I think that's a good argument. I was really not hot on the Greg theory yeah. three episodes ago, two episodes ago, last episode. And now I'm like, it's gaining a little bit of steam to me, a little bit of traction. His name was on that paper for a reason, narratively speaking. Yes. We may never find out exactly what Logan meant by that. But like the writers of the show have now thrown him into that. Pond. Yes. He's yeah. decidedly in the ring, maybe even yeah. more so than Tom now because his name is yeah. on that paper. Yeah. Um, speaking of Greg, um, uh, Bina emailed and said, we can't forget about Logan's brother, right? Because sure. he's still, who's still kicking and like, how might that affect 
the company and the will and whatnot? Because we still haven't really done anything with the will, right? No, no, we don't know actually what the official will was. I'm assuming there will be an episode of will reading, but who knows? Um, I should also say to listeners, I, this is as far as I've seen. I haven't seen anything past <laughs> this. So for the rest of the season, we're both flying relatively blind. By the seat of our pants. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, Leandro from Brazil. Thank you for emailing. Um, Leandro says, my bet is that Sandy and Stewie are going to be able to arrange a deal with Matson and the board to acquire the company for way less than previously agreed on with Logan. The kids are going to be forced to sell to make good on the promise to buy PGM. And eventually they will end up with neither companies due to legal details, leaving them with only the cable network, which sounds kind of similar to what you have posited yeah. before. Or posited- they just go full evil and just run this conservative, you know, nation, if not planned, destroying <laughs> <laughs> network. Um, I could see that. I, I, I do think that um, the kids are going to lose something big. I don't know what that thing is yet. Yeah. But something is going to go away. But I think they'll still maintain something else. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. It's I think the, P, the PMG thing like was spoken about in this episode, but it feels like that's maybe sort of drifting away. Yeah. But, I mean, even with what you know, Stewie said, being like, this that deal is piece of shit yeah. <laughs> and Kendall was right. not like no <laughs> right exactly um, well thank you for all those people for writing in please keep the emails coming yes, we are at you. stillwatchingpod at gmail.com well that does it for this episode of Still Watching please once again send us your questions concerns feelings of injustice theories whatever you have in your head <laughs> at stillwatchingpod at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter I'm at Rylaws R-I-L-A-W-S and you can find me on Twitter at Christress, C-H-R-I-S-T-R-E-S-S. This has been Still Watching from Vanity Fair. Our producer is Emily Elias, and we had production help from Peyton Hayes. We had technical assistance from Gabe Quiroga. Stephen Valentino is our executive producer, and our theme music is by Alexis Quadrado. We'll be back next week for episode five. Looking forward to seeing you then. He was a man of humility, grace, dignity. Who died fishing his iPhone from a clogged In toilet. public. I'm Nomi Fry, and this week on Critics at Large, we're talking about the delights and shortcomings of the new movie Challengers. It starts Zendaya at the center of a tennis triangle and a very steamy love triangle. Who are her loyalties to? Will she be tempted by the other one? How do these guys reckon their professional playing ambition with their romantic and sexual feelings about this mysterious woman? And such we have it. We have a conflict between three people in a game meant for two. Is it a sports movie or a sex movie? Find out on Critics at Large from The New Yorker. New episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts.